0: Podcasting from inside the stash. I'm Jenny. I'm Nicole, and this is Stash and Burn. Hello, everybody. It's Nicole. I wanted to keep the podcast going while Jenny was on her maternity leave, enjoying time with uh, Matilda and Harold. And so I'm planning a few episodes with guests and co-hosts, special co-hosts, and this episode will feature a conversation that I had with Amy Herzog. You are probably familiar with the designs of Amy Herzog. She's been featured in knitwear magazines. She had the tutorial on her blog Called Fit to Flatter, which has now been turned into a craftsy course and a book from STC Craft called Knit to Flatter. Um, Early morning, earlier this week, very early in the morning, I had a great conversation with Amy that I'm going to share with you now. I'm going to come back. I'm going to talk a little bit about the craftsy class which I've been taking, and um, just some little general upkeep things and. Just want to keep checking in with you guys. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Amy. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Um, I am here on this podcast with Amy Herzog, the um, creator of The Fit to Flatter, author of Knit to Flatter, and the teacher slash host of the Craftsy class, um, also titled Knit to Flatter. Um, And I'm so happy to have you here today. I've been following your Fit to Flatter since your series was on your blog in 2010, and I was super excited to see the book and then really excited also to see the Craftsy class.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Um,
0: So first thing I want to ask, just sort of get the basics, how did you start knitting?
1: Oh, I started knitting when I was a child, actually. My mother shoved some yarn and needles in my hands to keep me sitting still, which I'm not very good. (laughs) At. <laughs> um and then i picked it up again as an adult and that's when i really started knitting sweaters um after after college so but i've been knitting you know clothes for barbie dolls for <laughs> yeah, 30 years of experience
0: <laughs> um i saw in your bio that you imagine have a, like a house full of wool for your <laughs> sons and i'm wondering and well how old are they
1: yeah, they're four and seven. That's no longer imaginary.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> do they have they um, expressed interest in knitting, or do they get involved when you're doing?
1: Um, they do get involved. They they are not interested in knitting, but um, I'm training them well. I'd say they're both definitely fiber petters, and they mm-hmm. like to smell and feel and sort of get into the yarn. My oldest, uh, who's seven, is interested in learning how to spin, and he weaves. Wow. wow. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I know in a lot of preschools that they that weaving is sort of the first introduction to fiber arts. Um, yeah,
1: I got a cricket loom for myself and had fun making things, and then he promptly sort of took it over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so how did you start the original fit to flatter series?
1: Um, so it was re- the original fit to flatter series was really um, begun at the prompting of some of my friends. Uh. So I have a great knit group here in Boston, and we have really great conversations, and I would say I'm a fairly opinionated person. And at some point, my friends, um, Danielle and Diana in particular, encouraged me to start writing things down. So I have super expensive taste in yarn and a difficult body to fit properly, so Mm -hmm. I have to modify patterns. So I had been knitting sweaters for myself and modifying them for some time by that point, and they just encouraged me to start sharing it. And I was I was thrilled with the response to it. I, I, didn't expect anyone to really be interested. I have to say when I started, but worked out differently.
0: Did you have any background that would relate to design, or I guess specifically the analyzing that you that you've introduced into shaping ourselves?
1: I think not what you would expect in terms of background. Uh, I'm a mathematician by trade, so I. I think I'm used to thinking logically and systematically about stuff. I'm a big observer and a big systematizer. I guess I don't know if that's a word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the math of doing modifications to fit me, not only lengthening, but I typically need to add some bust darts to my sweaters. The math of thinking about um, fabric in a 3D way and how does it make sense to create a sweater that shaped the way that you are, that all comes pretty naturally to me based on the math background. And the styling stuff, I think, is just observation and and thought. I know that's not a satisfying answer. No, but
0: (laughs) it's interesting that you mention well that you are a mathematician because one of the things that I that finally hit me, I read the the series and then I've been going through the craftsy class, and something that finally hit me was that our measurements, which is the math part, don't necessarily match up with our uh, our personal visual impact. That's right if i did my measurements like my waist even though i can see my waist in a photo when i look at the number of my waist i'm like well that i don't have a waist do you know my my waist is not i don't have a 36 24 36 you know that
1: exactly an
0: hourglass figure which is you know i think we're taught to think is totally proportional But when I looked at my picture, which I finally took on Sunday (laughs) and did my outline, I very much was like, oh, there's a curve right there. And it's very obvious. Um, And so the numbers that I think knitters live by, you know, the numbers on the schematic versus the numbers on our body aren't necessarily the numbers to live by.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think we... we... (laughs) I think we waste a lot of time with the side view in the mirror. Oh. That's my opinion. I think that was a the, hard photo. <laughs> the number one way we try to interact with ourselves, and it's so opposite from what other people see of us. Right? You never mm-hmm. walk up to someone sideways and put out your hand to shake it. Right? It's just—it's mm-hmm. not—it's not how other people see us, and it's such a shame that it the only way we see ourselves sometimes. Yeah, the, the circumference numbers are really misleading. They, they really don't give you the whole picture because it all depends on how you distribute those, right? Mm-hmm. I have a friend who is pretty much the same measurements as I am, but she's a totally different shape. If you, you know, when you when the two of us mm-hmm. walk up to you, you would never guess we've measured the same all the way because I tend to sort of stick out front and back more, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and she's, you know, distributing it more evenly all the way around.
0: Did you do any other research when you were creating your tutorials, looking at what other people had said about shape and fit?
1: The tutorials less so. They were you know they were originally blog posts and um, intended to be conversation starters and so on. But when we were ch- taking that content and refining it for the book, definitely. Um, the single most valuable thing that I did between the tutorials and the book was that I taught a bunch of classes <laughs> <laughs> right I saw probably I need to figure it out, but it must be close to a thousand women wow. coming through the classes and we did the personalized shape analysis and measure and we try on sweaters and so that gave me just tons more data about what I hesitate to say what looks good because I think that's highly personal i I um You know, I try to give guidelines because Uh most people aren't sure what makes sense for them, and they're trying to figure that out. Guidelines can be a helpful place to start, but it's not about rules. It's about figuring out what makes you comfortable and then learning that, right? So I got a lot of data about what makes people comfortable, Uh what people tend to like on themselves and what they want to distract the eye from. And so the classes were just an invaluable source of learning and research that fed into the book.
0: So how did you then adapt your tutorials, which were very, you had a lot of images, but you had, they were so long. Like I couldn't believe that someone was taking her own time to, <laughs> to write these amazingly detailed descriptions, but, um, you know, books demand a different space, um, and for knitters, they demand patterns. So how did you go about developing the patterns and, and the way that uh, the book is constructed?
1: Yeah, the first big difference, which I view now as a real benefit um, between the book and the tutorials, was that the book demands concision. (laughs) Is that a word? (laughs) You have to be concise, right? Because there are page limits to the binding, (laughs) and if you want to include, you know, eighteen, twenty-one different pattern variations, you don't have very much room for the text. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think this is a positive change because while the tutorials were great for starting that conversation there's a lot of repetition from one to another and like you said they're they're really long (laughs) I feel like the book is a better reference right like okay I I remember this one thing I learned I need to look it up where do I go Uh um so the first thing was to try and boil everything down to the simplest most streamlined way of saying it if Uh someone's going to remember three things about this topic what are those three things need to be Um, and then the other really cool thing that we got to do in the book versus the tutorials was that I got to design sweaters that really focused exactly on one thing, right? So there's sort of exercises. If the book is a textbook, then this is the homework almost, (laughs) you know, um, which is different than my mission in designing for my, my pattern line. So, um, you know, in the, in the pattern line, I like to keep things closer to a steady neutral Uh where any individual person might not have to make major modifications, but just tweak it. And I try to keep it super interesting for the knitter. And, um, in the book, it was really about what kind of, um, clean slates and easily modified templates can I give knitters that are really focused on one particular body shape. I didn't have to worry with every sweater about making it widely applicable, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was freeing and, and fun.
0: Yeah, I, ha- I actually wondered about that when I was uh, reviewing your patterns, which I, I realized you have 21 patterns that are <laughs> in your own kind of under Amy Herzog designs, and then you have another 30 some patterns that are published. And it, you definitely have this, this style that I think as a working woman is sort of, the work sweater, the the thing that you can wear to work that looks finished and someone's going to know that you made it, but it doesn't look homemade. Yeah. And I think that that's also been a big transition in knitting in general, in this sort of knitting revolution, that um, those complicated sweaters that we all desire to knit, we realize ultimately, ultimately if we're going to put in the time and the money to knit it, we also want to wear it. And I'm not sure I'm going to wear a giant cable you drop shoulder sleeve
1: cardigan right
0: as much as I want to
1: make it they're right they're different projects they're Uh aimed at sort of skill mastery and you know this is this is my master project most of the time when I'm picking up the needles these days at least I'm in the place where I want to wear what I, Uh I get out at the other end and so what I do reflects that I think not that there's not a place for the other stuff it totally is but you're aiming at different things I think
0: um, when you were um, when you were going through the fit to flatter, did you feel like you went through a huge wardrobe shift of looking <laughs> at everything that you wore?
1: Um, yes okay. and no. I I I have to say I take these. Uh, Rules. I'm making air quotes with my hands, right? Um, Pretty loosely. I wear stuff that falls outside um, the the strict guidelines all the time because I don't necessarily always want to take my shape and make it look like this sort of mis-average shape. Um, But that said, just after the tutorial is finished, I went out and did some workshopping. I had gotten um, a a promotion at work, and I needed to dress in a slightly different way. I was going to be in front of customers more, so I needed more... um, sort of formal business attire and I tried to eat my own dog food is the phrase we use (laughs) in the security (laughs) industry I tried to follow my own guidelines when I was shopping and I had a lot more success than I had had previously when I was trying to think about the lines that the clothing were going to paint on me and how that would interact with my own body's shape I was I I picked different things up and I was happier with the results it was kind of fun. Um, And it has morphed how I dress since then, for sure.
0: I actually was, I was on the Fit to Flatter boards um, yesterday and a woman posted this amazing post, I think it was just a few days ago, where she posted herself in her biking clothes. Yeah. And um, so it's the, the long sleeve shirt with a zip up neck that's, you know, something that's not worn to be flattering it's worn to just you know utilitarian and her biking pants and she showed it with the zipper up and then with the zipper down and this tiny little change made such a huge difference to how she looked it was it was a really enlightening moment to see just she added that v and all of a sudden like you saw her shape you saw everything about her body in a different light
1: yeah, I love that post. She also sort of took the colors out of the equation nice. and made it more black and white. And it was, it was a great, um, a great visual reminder of how clothing changes the way we look and not in a, a stifling, you must dress this way, uh-huh. <laughs> way, you know, just that there are consequences of the choices we make with our clothes. So there's this thing that I do in my classes where I have a, a sort of uniform that I teach in, right? This sort of set of clothing that I that I kind of always wear. And one of the early in one of the early parts of class, I take the way that I'm wearing it when I walk in, and then I change it all up, I roll up my pant legs, and I button the cardigan all the way up, and I pull the sleeves all the way long. And it's the same clothes worn in a different way. And I just sort of stand back and say, clothing matters. Uh (laughs) How you wear things changes the way that you look. And, you know, both ways that you look are fine based on you know what your own comfort level is but just be thoughtful about the picture you're presenting because it changes how other people see you
0: mm-hmm. um, so you went out and taught thousands of women or a thousand <laughs> women and you got that data were able to refine your text and then you also have this class on Craftsy and um, I'm wondering how how does that compare maybe to your in-person classes
1: it's a good question. I think that there's something... I think that there's a um, just an inherent and unavoidable loss of personal chemistry and interaction uh, online Sorry. versus in person, right? There's just no real way of getting around that. And of course, online, you can't actually try on the sweaters, which right. you can in the classes. <laughs> and it's fun to play dress-up. Um, mm. That said, I think... I was really excited when Craftsy approached me because I think it's a great option for people who just aren't going to be near one of my classes. Uh Because going from a reference book, even if it has patterns with real women, photographed, without styling, you know, as far as we could go in the book, there is still something different about seeing it in 3D. Uh And I think that the... I mean, I'm interested to hear your thoughts too, but I was really pleased with how well that came across in the Craftsy class. I feel like you can really see... In a different way, what's going on with our clothes?
0: Well, I haven't had the opportunity to take your class. I think you were out here in California once or twice, but somehow, like, I didn't know about one, and then I didn't know about one until like the last minute. Yeah. Um, and I would, I'd say, I'm really enjoying the craftsy class because I think I'm, you know, learning modalities are different for everybody, and so I think the book, when it comes will be a great reference source for when I quickly want to look something up. The Craftsy class is there for when I need to hear you say something again or see you with one of the models to demonstrate something. Um, And then I think it would still be valuable to be in one of your in-person classes to really confirm some of the things that I don't think we're always good at knowing for ourselves. And you get some of that in the Craftsy class. It's really neat to see everybody having posted their their photos, and they get feedback from you. One thing I think that still needs to be adapted, or and this is all about users, is responding a little bit to each other. I think yeah. we're still looking to the teacher for the answers and realizing, oh, we can talk to one another. And I think that's something we know in an in-person class, I imagine people give each other feedback.
1: Absolutely. Unintentionally even, right? Something <laughs> happens that's pretty special you know. in an in-person class. Right. Exactly. When someone puts on something that is just fantastic right. and the whole room gasps. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have heard um, several people go the other way. Right. People who took an in-person class with me at one point are in the Craftsy class and saying, oh, what a great refresher and reminder this is. I really enjoy seeing you again. Um, but it's so new that I, I think that people haven't had much of a chance to go the other way. Yet. <laughs> so it's, it's neat to hear that uh, you think that might be fun.
0: I, yes, I, I do think it would be a, just a good opportunity to still explore that. Um, especially I think if part of the component is the adjusting of sweaters or designing of sweaters, um, I think that especially for, if for people who design, which I'm not a person, but if you're someone who thinks you might design or who designed your own sweaters, um, that your class could be beneficial to talk about, okay, what are all the different body shapes and how do we create either like a neutral shape that can be adjusted or here, you want to design for the top heavy knitter, then here's, here are the things to think about and the ways to approach it.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I love, I love how this applies to design, not just, not only from a designer's perspective, but from a oh, I'm a knitter, and hey, sleeve length is something I can change, right? I'm going to partner with the designer of this sweater so that I get something I love at the end of it um, instead of just passing that sweater by. I think that it's very um, – the material is empowering in that way. I think all of the different um, formats reinforce and help each other because it's not like this is a an easy topic to grasp and get a handle on, right? It's, right. um it's not a new cast on technique or something. It's a different way of thinking about your knitting. And I think that takes time and reinforcement and and space <laughs> to really come to grasp with.
0: Well, and I think that knitters, again, to go back to that idea of the schematic or maybe makers of clothes in general, I think this happens with sewing as well, where you have a pattern and it's hard to imagine that you know, one, that if you aesthetically like something that it's not going to look good on you. Like that is, I think a really hard thing because you think, oh, this is something that, that just isn't going to work for me. And I come across that in sewing all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, sewing does not take as long as knitting does. Um, but I think that, um, knitters just, it's the fit is one of our biggest obstacles.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that um perhaps in the past there was so much more assumed on the part of the knitter than it's reasonable to do today, right? I think in my grandma's time, not only were knitters more I don't I don't know if independent is the right word, but free range and I don't know. <laughs> but also they were they were all seamstresses too, right? My grandmother made clothes in a variety of different ways and I think often we struggle with the fit issue now because we're not, most of us are not experienced seamstresses. Okay. This is not a way of life for us. This is a hobby that we're now using to make clothing. And that's a it's a different starting point. And I, I think it comes with some um, different ways of thinking.
0: And I think, you know, on top of that, and of course many people have grandmothers who work, but my grandmothers did not work. Both of them were beautiful seamstresses. One of them was also a knitter and she, I'm sure what she knit for was like a combination of utilitarian, but also she could just kind of wear what she wanted. And this is also my grandma. She was just going to do what she was <laughs> going to do, right? She was very independent and she was going to wear that big cable knit sweater because that's what she wanted. But so many of us, this is something that we shoehorn in to the rest of our lives. And, um, and that we want it to be something that we can wear to work or when we're out with our kids, you know, something out on a date, you know, we want it to be out in the world and present sort of this other, whatever the aesthetic is that we want to present in a different time.
1: Yeah. I think I, my own personal desire at least is to have my hand knits blend in seamlessly with the rest of my wardrobe. I, I don't want them to have a different look and feel than the other clothes that I wear. Um, I, I don't know if that's a more common uh, desire now than it was. I don't know how many people feel the same way that I do, but that's certainly how I approach it. Um, I really want my clothes to to all fit together.
0: So I want to ask you a little bit about construction because you said something that is <laughs> <laughs> that's you know not the the common practice I think in knitting as much anymore which is to knit a, a sweater in pieces and um <laughs> I am gonna take that advice although part of me was like well what if I just knit the body in the round and i knit the rest of the body in the <laughs> pieces? But, but um I just wanted to, to get you to talk about that a little bit
1: yeah so so first of all if, if you have success with a construction style. I am not trying to steer you away from it, yeah, right? If, maybe if, I, top, yeah. maybe you if top-down raglans work for anybody listening, that's great. I'm so happy. Please keep knitting top-down raglans. Um, I, I think this is a case, again, where I'm not trying to steer people away from something, especially if they've had success with it. I'm trying to help people who have never had success get a sweater they Uh love to wear. Right. So I guess go into the whole construction debate with that in mind. Um, that said, I do prefer to wear seamed garments myself. I have a particularly difficult shape for a top-down raglan. I need bust darts and Uh I am lazy. And so Uh those two things together, um, give me more success with seamed garments, I think. Um, bust starts can look great in top-down raglans but you have to think about them at cast on time mm-hmm. and I almost never want to think at cast on time <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a little embarrassing that out loud <laughs> whereas with this a pieced construction say the only change you're making is a bust art you don't really have to think about it until you get to the front mm-hmm. which I typically leave for last because um it's often most fun for me to knit so I try like i must going save my dessert till the end save my favorite last bite to the end kind of person and mm-hmm. I do the same thing with my knitting Um, so I do think that seams give you some benefits, um, as unpopular as they are. I think that they give nice structure to a garment, the, um, the larger and heavier the yarn is that you're using. So either the larger, the sweater, the larger, the yarn, the larger, the size, and the more dense your fabric is, the more seams are important. Uh Uh-huh. Because they provide an anchor point, I think you can totally knit the sweater in the round to the armholes um and then if you really hate to seam, um just seam the shoulders together and then pick up the stitches and uh sleeves and work them top down and that's that was how, really...
0: that's how I admit sweaters um i've I've yeah, I like the bottom up construction as well. I just have found ways to keep it so that I'm not seaming, and I don't even know that it's that I hate seaming it's just I found. I, I taught myself how to do the top down sleeve, a set in sleeve. And I was like, this is so clever. And so I enjoy doing it. It
1: Um, is clever. I agree.
0: Um, and I, without, you know, really having done the analysis, I think for a while I wanted to believe I was a proportional shape and I didn't look (laughs) at myself. And then a few months ago I was like, all right, you know it, you know, you're bottom heavy, just go with it. And then I took the photo and I was like, yes, there you are. (laughs) There it is. You're bottom heavy. Um, so, in that, and I, I haven't gone to anything that you, where you say this, but I just don't think that for me that raglan shaping is flattering. For my, it it doesn't accentuate my shoulders. I feel like it draws my shoulders down into a triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, it creates that line where all of a sudden everything is kind of I'm a I'm a triangle. Like it starts to point out down. Oh look, down here she's wider. In uh-huh. my mind, and so I have maybe one sweater that I still wear that's a top-down raglan.
1: I think based on anecdotal data, it seems to be less, um, people's comfort with top-down raglan seems to have less to do with, like, what major shape bin they're in and more to do with um, what shape their shoulders are. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. whether they're more square or more sloped, mm-hmm. the latter category tends to not like raglans as much, yeah, right? Um, right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because of the similarity of that line or something. I don't I, I'm not sure why I won't hazard a guess as to why, but it seems to be true, and um busty shaped often seem frustrated with top down raglans. although I suspect that's more of a fit issue that could be that you know that could be overcome
0: mm-hmm. and I just find I mean, if I look at any inexpensive target cardigan that I would buy, all of them are going to be set in sleeves, and those are the ones that I tend to wear when I go to work. you know, there's the little like thing that I throw over is always a set in sleeve um so I yeah I I switched to set in sleeves a while ago and I like the top uh the bottom up construction um part of it is also just the amount of time it gets to be when you are adding stitches and adding stitches to the raglan and I'm (laughs) just like oh my god this is never ever ever gonna end the rows do
1: seem a little long there for a while
0: (laughs) And I think I, I would have a couple early top-down raglans where they just got cut off too early because I'm like, I'm done. and All done. <laughs> I can't move my arms. <laughs> so, um, well, the last thing, and this is sort of a philosophical question, but when you set out on this, um fit to flatter journey I'll call it did you think you were writing a technical manual or did you realize that it was going to be sort of this I I, I said Knitter's Manifesto because I didn't want to say self help book but I feel like so much (laughs) of, of, of what you do is about encouraging women knitters to look at being happy with themselves, um, and you say it many times in the craftsy class, you know, it's not wrong. It's, there's nothing wrong with you. It's something wrong with the clothes. So do, you know, when you first started, did you realize you were, it was going to be sort of this emotional, there was going to be a sort of psychological or emotional part of what you were doing? I did not at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I loved, uh, I love this question, right? Because I, it, I started out writing a technical manual here's my opinion on bust starts and why vertical are more appropriate and a better choice than horizontal in several cases, you know? I, um, but as, especially after the classes started happening and I started connecting with knitters um, one-on-one, the, the notion that I might play a part in helping a woman go from, I am flawed to there is nothing wrong with me at all is the most compelling thing I can possibly imagine. I think it's, we waste so much time and energy thinking that there is something wrong with us when there is nothing wrong with anybody on this planet, right? It's, they're all perfectly beautiful. And if clothing doesn't work, then chuck it out and get something different. Um, it's, uh, it certainly was very much in the front of my mind as we were taking the tutorial content and turning it um, into a book, it's definitely in the front of my mind in the classes and it's the part that I am the most passionate about now. Um, you can knit a sweater any way that you want and mm-hmm. if the technical techniques work for you, that's great and if they don't, please do something else but please, please don't think that there's anything the matter with how you're constructed because there isn't. That's that's really where my, my passion lies. It's
0: It's such a great message and it's delivered in this way that is really I, I just, it's constructive and I think for me um I have a real heavy logical mind and so it appeals like to this logical mind and then um I'm like ah, I can do something about this this is not an untenable situation that's <laughs> like, right you know? so I just really uh, I love it and um I think that's something that even though you're not getting that intimate contact as an in-person class it really does come across in your craftsy class how passionate you feel about the this and um, I feel like as I read the class feedback and the questions that people are really relating to that and getting the messages getting through. So oh, thank you. For
1: so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm having a lot of fun. So,
0: um, your book is out next Tuesday, April 2nd. Um, yes. and the Craftsy class is available on Craftsy. And, um, I have a link for listeners to go, um, to the class and it's there's a special price yes Um, it's half off it's half off the class Mm -hmm. um through the link that i'll post on our blog and in our group and uh, amy i just really want to thank you for coming on
1: thank you so much for having me
0: Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Amy as much as I enjoyed talking to her. I really want to thank her for coming on to the podcast. And I want to thank Craftsy for having the link that will give you 50% off the class, which is the price will be $19.99. Again, that link is in our will be in our show notes and on the Ravelry board. I also want to thank Stuart Tabori Chang, STC Craft, Melanie Fallick Books, for sponsoring the prize for this podcast, which is a copy of Knit to Flatter. I want to talk a little bit about the Knit to Flatter class on Craftsy and a little bit about the book. Um, First, I I want to talk about the Craftsy platform because I find it really interesting as someone who works in education and has encountered a number of what they call course management systems and taken classes online in various forms, either, you know, all through, um, discussion threaded discussion boards or through some sort of messaging, um, system. What is that called? There's another, uh, chat room, a chat room system, um, and even um, taking classes where there have been recorded lectures. I find that the Craftsy platform is really amazing and I actually think it would be incredible to be adopted into the mainstream educational mode. mode. Um, You watch a video, if you're not familiar, you you have a video, they're pre-recorded by your teacher and the courses range in length. I believe Amy's class is around three, three and a half hours. Um, but I have, I'm enrolled actually in a few craftsy courses. Um, I believe one of them, my, uh, sewing with knits class is over six hours long. So the amount of material you get varies. Um, but it's recorded in such a way, it kind of reminds me of what would be, uh, like the craft shows that you see on public television. They're a little, um, they have a little more casual flair, so it's not as formal as watching television. And because they have much more time to devote to the single subject, I find them a little more interesting than a, a, a TV show where you see short segments on a variety of things. It's, you know, your one topic and it goes for an extended length of time. Um it, you have the ability to interact with the teacher, You're not necessarily immediately, but you can post questions, you can see everybody else's questions, and then the teacher and your fellow classmates can respond to you. Um, you can watch it via a web browser on your computer. There's also a Craftsy app for the iPad and I believe for the iPhone, which allows you to watch videos um, and comment and do all the things that you can do on the website Although, no, that's not exactly true. I don't think the, the app is much is a little more oriented towards watching and participating in the classes Where the website. There are other aspects to the, the Craftsy world. Um, they, there's some sales that go on of patterns, both for, well, at least in the world that I know, like sewing and other needlework. I'm sure there are other things you can buy there. I think you can also buy certain materials via Craftsy as well, but I'm not as clear on that aspect of the business. Um what I also like about the class is that it allows you to take notes so you can mark in the video a certain space like, oh, I want to go back to that, or this part is really interesting, I'll need to review, just you know, make your own notes, or oh, this reminds me too, that I need to do X, Y, or Z. So it allows you to keep your own private notes in addition to having a conversation with um, other people. As I mentioned in my conversation with Amy, a little bit of the drawback does seem to be that the interaction between classmates is not um, as robust, it's, especially you know, with those of us who are on Ravelry every day and giving each other support and advice and feedback. It's not quite as, um, as interactive as that. And, um, and it, I see the difference. It is a class. You feel like you're in a classroom setting and you've paid for this class. So I think there's a little bit of an expectation of, of where the interaction should happen. Um, so, oh, and one other thing about the platform that's a little funny is that I wish that the comments that people made were dated and maybe they are, and I'm just not seeing it, but, um, I think it would be helpful, especially as classes continue to be up. So the idea is that the class is not time limited, that this class that Amy has recorded will be up there for you yeah, know, let's say theoretically forever. <laughs> um, so it would be helpful if someone who commented, you know, in March of 2013, it was marked that so that when you're commenting in January of 2015, you know, oh, here's the question that someone asked some time ago. And I think I just, for me, I like to have things organized in a sense of time when I'm looking at a threaded discussion. So that is a little bit of a drawback for me. Um, so Knit to Flatter is not my first craftsy course, although it's the craftsy course that I have watched the most of, which I don't know what that says about me, but I, I enrolled in over my kind of sewing binge over the last summer and into the fall. I enrolled in three sewing classes, um, Sewing with Knits, um, which is taught by Meg McElwee, um, who um, you may know if you're a sewer from the Sew Liberated line. And, um, I'm enrolled in a serger class and the genius class, the copying a pair of jeans with Kenneth King. Now, um, I will say that the reason I enrolled in sewing with knits is there was a discount code that Meg had on her website. And sewing with knits is definitely something that I'm, I'm interested in doing. So, um, I wanted to enroll when I had the discount. Um, the serger class, I, I have a serger that I am incredibly afraid of and have used very in a very limited way. And so I I uh, have wanted to enroll in that class. And I believe, again, I had a discount code. Maybe Craftsy was probably having a sale, which is also how I enrolled in the Genius class. So Craftsy, if you get on their mailing list, will do targeted um discounts. And sometimes I've actually seen Groupons that have popped up where you can get any class for $20. So it's worth it to look for those things. Um, and I will definitely get back to those sewing classes probably when my sewing bug hits, you know, see it's, it's, um, heading into April now. So any minute now, sewing will come back. Um, but partially because I was talking to Amy and partially because I'm so excited about this topic. I have, I've started to really dive into, uh, the knit to flatter craftsy course. And, um, one thing I'm doing for myself is I'm watching the whole course all the way through before I get started actually knitting something. And, um, I'm just listening, occasionally taking notes participating somewhat. So I said in uh, my conversation with Amy that I'd finally taken my pictures, So I wanted to talk a little bit about what that means the first part of the Craftsy course really is about um, your own visual impact impact, and assessing your body type. And so one of the things that she invites you to do, and really the only way you're going to make this class effective for you, is to take a picture of yourself in a slim-fitting shirt and pants um, and do some measurements that kind of figure out where your hips are in relation to your shoulders. And whether they match up and you're proportional, if they don't match up and you are top heavy or you don't match up and you're bottom heavy. And then from there she talks about different the different body types and shows some great demonstrations of what sweaters do and do not look like on people. So the first thing, you know, I did do that, I had my husband take a photo of myself. I did a little drawing, and is a symbol of solidarity. I will post this in the thread for this episode on our um, on our board on, on Ravelry. So you take a picture head-on, and then you take the sideways photo, which I'm feeling a little less brave about posting, but perhaps I will, um, just to kind of give yourself a sense of visually where the areas are that you want to direct your eye away from, direct your eye, direct one's eye away from where you want to direct your eyes to. So, um, and then from there, she really, she talks about the different types, what kinds of sweaters are better, or maybe elements of sweaters that are best for certain body types, and then, um, works you through how to do your measurements, how to, um, make alterations to patterns, and, um, as was sort of hinted at in our conversation, it, it walks you through basically your, your new favorite sweater. So really what are the, the things that you want to do in your next sweater project? And one of the things she does advocate doing is knitting the sweater in pieces. Um, but, um, which I'm, I'm, I have chosen the sweater I want to do for this, but I, she and I talked separately she said she didn't think I really had to do it in pieces, but I might do it just just to do the exercise. Um, and it just, it's, the way it's laid out and the way that Amy teaches is very engaging and um, and sincere and just really helpful. And I say this from a perspective of someone who doesn't take a lot of knitting classes. I, I can probably count on one hand the time I've sat down in a knitting class and it, two of them, the two that I can really think of were within the first 18 months of learning how to knit. And I think part of that is, I think, uh, taking a knitting class is going to take away from my budget. I'm not really, I'm very excited, I'll put it in the, the positive, I'm happy with the way that I knit, and I've never like felt the need to take on some new technique. And you know, part of me just feels like I'm DIY, I'm going to figure this out on my own. <laughs> so, um, but there's something about this topic that I feel like I needed more walking through, Um, And I think this is now where, where the book comes in, you know, if this is the course, then the book is the textbook. And, um, uh, I feel like for me, it's great to have that reinforcement and I may not always want to bust out my computer to find that section in the class, but I'm always going to be able to reach for the book and look for that section in the book. The other great thing about the book is that she has, um, I believe 21 sweater designs and they, um, are broken down by the body type that they are sort of designed to flatter, but that you can then alter any of the other sweaters in there to um, help you, you know, to sort of flatter your figure. So um, I'm really looking forward to working also with the book. Um, I'm not a big reader of knitwear books, knit pattern books, and you probably picked this up over the years, I, you know, it's sort of like, you know, people don't read Playboy for the articles. I guess I don't get knitting pattern books for the instruction, but this book I think really will reinforce what I'm learning. And I think because it's not, it's not exclusively knitting, I feel like I can apply this to my knitting, but also to the work that I'm doing in sewing and in the way that I purchase when I do purchase clothes, you know, what I can think about, um, so, you know, spoiler alert, I, I I think this class is awesome. I think what the work that Amy does is great. And I encourage you, you know, you may be more of a class person. So, um, enrolling in the Craftsy class might be the right thing for you. You may be more of a book person. So, the book might be the right thing for you. Um, but I think it's a great deal. I mean, if you think you get both of them for, uh, I think right now, um, Knit to Flatter is about less than $15 on Amazon. And the course through the link is $20. It's a pretty good deal for $35 to sort of get your mind wide open. Um, for those of us who've really struggled with fit and kind of the way that we fall out of love with sweaters. I think this is a theme that Jenny and I go over again and again. And, um, it's really making me assess, which I know we're always doing some of the sweaters in my closet, um, to the point that there are two sweaters, you know, that I Those three-button sweaters, remember our love of the three-button sweater, which is, surprise, not at all flattering for my dot body type, but cute. Um, I'm actually thinking about unraveling at least one of those sweaters, my Amelia, and repurposing that yarn. I think I've been listening too much to um, Charlene on the Yardiacs, um, (laughs) who repurposes yarn. So um, stay tuned. I think that you'll hear more about my knit-to-flatter Journey um, on upcoming episodes, and I'd love to share this journey. I feel like I've taken a lot of initiatives on this year, but here's yet another one. If if you are interested in this, there'll definitely be a thread in Ravelry in our group, um, and uh, stay tuned to the end of this episode where I'll talk about how you can qualify to win um, to win the book. I want to do one little segment on just kind of catch up and. Where things are what I've been doing um, I'll just 'll report that last I talked to Jenny she had not been knitting. she has been caring for baby Matilda, and um, understandably knitting has fallen off the radar for a while i have been I have been knitting you know doing my commute knitting, and I have um, been participating a lot or at least um, making progress on my um, Simsma Ball, my uh, slowly but surely making a blanket along babette. And uh, this month, I think uh, in March, I have crocheted 20-ish motifs um, for the blanket. 19, I think, at last count. So um, that's pretty exciting. I think I have about 40 left. So that's a ton of progress, especially considering I have knit zero motifs since uh, 2009. So that is a ton of progress. Um, I have, um, I made a surprise knit. I did a surprise project this month. Uh, It's the pattern from the newest issue of Knitty called Lunatic Fringe. It's a triangular, asymmetrical triangular shawl that um, has this crazy kind of awesome fringe on one side, although everybody that saw it kind of, got a quizzical look on their face. I think it's pretty awesome. And the reason I knit that was it was called for a yarn I had in my stash in the exact amount I had. And so I had to do it because I have joined the cold sheep effort. And um, I am going to try to, not try, I am going to knit at least 10 projects before I can buy yarn again. And as part of that, I have logged much, not all, but I would say, 95% of my stash is now in Ravelry. Um, I'm not going to talk about numbers right now, although I will say that it's not as bad as I thought it was, as I, I might add more before, um, I really dive into talking about cold sheep, which actually is what I'm planning for our next episode with, um, a special guest. So, um, so far so good. I haven't had the urge to buy yarn and, um, I have been picking out some pretty random projects up and coming. So, in addition to the Lunatic Tick Fringe shawl that I knit, and I, I guess I should talk about too, I used it, the yarn was Fiber Company Terra that it called for. I have cast on a project. Uh, it's based on a pattern called the Woodland Capelet. It's a free pattern from Classic Elite, but I am knitting it in B Suite. Um, Boucle Mohair, which is a really lovely yarn that I bought in the craziest color as part of a yarn co-op so long ago, I can't even remember when. 2007, I think-ish. I, I think I bought it to go with this super crazy handspun that I have. Um, but I'm using the um, this yarn, That'd Be Sweet, uh, Mohair Boucle, in a bright, bright pink to knit the woodland capelet for my younger niece for her I believe this is her fifth birthday yes she will be five um her older sister has relinquished her love of pink and now Ida can love pink (laughs) freely so I'm knitting that so it's this is this is so many things going on at once I'm doing this as part of Uli the use it or lose it challenge it fits into my um cold sheep goals and um and now I'm doing the Fit to Flatter and the Sims Ball, so I've got a lot of things going that hopefully will keep my mind occupied so that I do not buy more yarn. I think that if you're feeling tempted to buy yarn and you think you have a big stash and your stash is not in Ravelry, that is a certain cure for wanting to buy yarn. <laughs> well, not wanting to. It's a cure for actually going and buying the yarn, or at least it was for me. So, Um, I will talk about this in uh, more depth on the next episode. I'm going to have a guest co-host. I will keep it a surprise for now. Um, And um, in the meantime, you guys keep knitting. You can uh, always get our show notes at stashandburn.com. I am at stashandburn on Twitter. I go back and forth from tweeting, but um, you can always follow me. And, um, of course, our Awesome boards on Ravelry. Um, we're in the Stash and Born group. Ooh, Stash and Burn group. Stash and Born. I think I had Jenny's Born Sweater on my mind. Um so and I will also say that talking to myself is talking to yourself is, is much harder than it's it seems because there's nobody to check you or you know tell you to shut up or correct you when you say something wrong. So please know that my Immediate editor is not here, and I will likely not edit this. I will probably just put it all together so I can post this later tonight. Um, If you are interested in the Knit to Flatter book, um, please um, comment on this episode's thread in Ravelry. Some of you may have noticed that you cannot comment on our blog right now. I do not know what's going on with that and I haven't put the time into thinking about it because we're so active on Ravelry that I've sort of just let that be our outlet. So um, I'll probably post um, one the thread for episode 127, and in that, just um, maybe write a post about just either your most flattering sweater or your most unflattering sweater. Um, you can post a picture or not post a picture, but just say, you know, this is a sweater, it was the most flattering sweater, and maybe be why, And or your most unflattering sweater, and maybe why, I think I would have many options to choose from, so um, I will keep that um, thread open until uh, April 15th, probably around 9 o'clock West Coast time, midnight East Coast time on April 15th. And um, choose a winner, and then you will get your book straight from the lovely folks at STC Craft. Thanks for listening. Um, I'll be back soon, and I'll continue to give updates about Jenny and Matilda as, um, as I have them. And um, we will have Jenny back soon. So take care.
2: Hello, face with the Oakland booty. Your oh, says you're right well i ain't down with that because your waist is small and your curves are kicking And i'm thinking about sticking to the bean pole dames in the magazines you ain't it this thing give me a sister i can't resist her red beans and rice didn't miss her some never had tried to diss because his girls are on my list he had game but he chose to hit them